looked old and creepy. Yep. And the picture was like people in like professional outfits, you know, women, nurses, <laughs> guys in suits, doctors. I don't know. I think it's a place uh, that, like, Rick snuck into once he was telling us about. It's like a mental hospital in yeah, Ohio. Yeah, a lot of people do that, just, yeah, like, for fun. It's not a good idea. My uh, sister did that. Oh, yeah. Sandra said her sister did that. Uh, Connecticut? Yeah, at the, um, I'll have to do it as a topic later, but uh, the the asylum in New Haven, or er, Newton. Yeah, yeah, there was something there. Yeah, that's yeah. like one of the popular places for people to try to find ghosts or whatever. Yeah, and I guess um, they're now there. Well, years ago when she did this, there was talk of turning it. Uh Oh, maybe. Is it the Danvers State Asylum? The one that, that I'm doing? No, the one that your sister... There's some kind of asylum or mm. hospital, Newtown... I forgot the name of it because I, I had to go to some kind of new town town event type thing in the summer for a company I worked at. And it was right next to some kind of like old school, old fashioned hospital building. So no. I, when I saw that. I was like, maybe this is the one that people try to like sneak into. No. So the one that Morgan went to was Fairfield Hills, I think. Oh, yeah, I think that's different. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, the story, the subject I'm doing tonight, I mean, like, I guess in a weird, twisted way, you guys were, like, kind of close, but I feel like you'll be, like, kind of shocked when I actually tell (laughs) you. I just... We both sent each other two photos for our hints, and Sandra sent me basically the first photo was, like, a old 18, 1900s looking hospital or something like that, and then the second photo was, like a group of young people like black and white and then it seemed like the focal point of the picture was like a girl with dark hair who's maybe 12 13 and her face looked a little blurry so i was like this is the story of samara from the ring but i don't think she's a real person (laughs) i think no i think through the ring was based off of like a japanese oh yeah because I was looking into that, and then I scared myself, and I was like, I'm not going to do that one yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because I'm not even, I'm not even brave enough to, like, watch the ring, but, like. Yeah, it yeah. definitely is a Japanese. Yeah, it's based off a of Japanese. I think the Japanese Unless one your is story scary. does take place in Japan, then it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you and Dave are going to be surprised when I actually tell you. <laughs> is it a local story no. No. Oh, okay. it's in it's in the u.s i'll tell you that much yeah. it is in the states mm. and i'm also curious about yours because like <laughs> you sent me like a really creepy one of like a guy holding this weird contraption box thing that looks like a torture device and then just a woman and i was like murder and you were like no so i don't know what <laughs> I know there's I feel like there was no way for you to be able to guess this because I never I have I didn't know this was a thing. The only reason I know about this topic is from Amanda. She heard it from some kind of like obscure crime podcast. Like it seems like they're I I actually don't know the podcast's name or I would mention it. Mm-hmm. But it seems like their thing is kind of talking about like not as well-known stories. So I never, I, yeah, I've never heard about this. So Amanda was talking about it and I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. I feel like I need to do this. So yeah, I, I don't want to tell you too much because it's definitely going to give it away. But like that box I showed you is basically like one of the main crazy factors in the story. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't really help me. <laughs> so I think you and I are both are just like, uh, okay, what's the other one doing tonight? <laughs> also, it'll be a double mystery story mm-hmm. night, I guess. It will be, because I'm still, I have no idea. Right. So, And you have no idea, so. <laughs> so this is a good time for me to do the intro, I guess. Yes, yes. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Oi with the Terror already. I believe we're on episode 20, mm-hmm. I feel like. Okay, yep. good. Because I already said episode 20 <laughs> once before and it wasn't right. So I was like, I am pretty sure this time it's right. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Danielle. 
And I'm your other host, Sandra. And we're talking about the pictures of like the tips we sent to each other. Which... So apparently we both have stories. <laughs> I'm guessing yours takes place uh, longer, like than mine does just based on your, the type of picture you sent me. I don't know. It's debatable because I feel like I have more for this one, but I pretty much just got everything I have from like one or two sources. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I am, I'm now actually more curious to see like hashtag Dave the intern's reaction because he never tried it. I don't know. I feel like he never tries to guess. So when he does, I feel like it's fun to like try to stump him. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, I've noticed a pattern where there's, a topic once you actually reveal it to me during the episode and like I say oh I've never actually heard of that and then I tell Dave what we talked about like later on and he he's like oh yeah I know about that one (laughs) so it seems like even the ones I don't know about apparently he knows about all of those as well I mean, I feel like once I say the topic and he knows what it is, he's just gonna be like, oh yeah, I know that. And I'm just gonna be like, I didn't know it. (laughs) Yeah, like, I find it interesting because it's, I don't like walking on him watching, like, History Channel or Travel Channel. So the fact that he does know about all this stuff is surprising to me because he learned about it, I'm guessing, on, like, Reddit or something else because he never watches any of those, like, creepy travel shows or anything like that i will say this is i think the one or the one of the first places i've looked into that are low like at least in the states that have not been featured on any travel channel shows (laughs) (laughs) so i don't have to say as far as i know i could be wrong but i'm like 90% 90% sure this place has not been on any travel channel shows, and there's probably a reason for that. Hmm. But we'll get to that. So it's like extra obscure. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, well, I mean, like, kind of. It's like, yeah. I feel like once you hear the topic and then you look back at the photos, you'll just be like, oh, that makes much sense. <laughs> also, I have red wine. Nice. I have ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Been one of those days. <laughs> I, I, that would be also be applicable in my situation. That's funny. <laughs> You're helping your digestive tract. Yeah, I think I'm just at this point trying to help like my anxiety. Okay. <laughs> like calm down and my stomach calm down a little bit. Yeah, because it's been it was kind of a stressful weekend. Yeah. So it was a, oh it was yeah, a, are we still doing? I'm just mentioning this now. This is related to the oil of the week. I just remember that was a thing because I was literally gonna try to transition to my story, and then I was like, oh yeah, we didn't do the oil of the week. I mean, we so. can. I, I I definitely have one. Yeah, because I honestly, I was like racking my brain. I obviously have like I could think of something, but not nothing really interesting. Just like tiny annoyances, like daily things. So I, I honestly don't really have anything good or prepared really now so if you want to jump in first sure so I have been in the process in the process of basically putting together my apartment and in doing so you can I know you can probably see like behind me I have curtains so the funny thing is I forgot to measure before I bought said curtains so they're a little bit on the short side so that was part oh. of my oi of the week. And then the other part is my friend's um, fiance, um, shout out to Megan and Sean, came over on Sunday to help me put them up. And I realized the original curtains I had picked out, um, I only had two of them and I needed four. Mm-hmm. So I had to rush back to Bed Bath & Beyond, which in my area is also closing. So oh. there's like nothing left. Yeah. So I couldn't find the curtains that matched and the right size that I thought yeah. I needed. So yeah. that ended with me having to buy four curtains of a different color, basically mm. being the last ones left of the size I thought I needed and having to buy those and then having to go back to Bed Bath & Beyond yesterday to return the original curtains that I bought okay yeah I yeah when we moved here we obviously yeah we had to get curtains we basically just bought them for two 
yeah, two rooms because the ones in our bedroom are the ones we used for the old apartment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's like you have to make sure like the amount you're getting and then the sizings, right? Blah, blah, blah. I remember specifically with our house, Dave was nervous because we have like these old fashioned radiators. They basically go on the bottom of the floor. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, he like Googled this once and he was just like, we can't get long curtains because they'll get set on fire from the radiators on the bottom. I'm like, I think it's probably okay. So then we had, we talked about this for like maybe a month or longer, like, okay, we have to get this length of curtain, but we'll somehow shorten it. So it's just grazing the top of the radiators, blah, blah, blah. But I looked this up and it's like, yeah, it's it's not really a thing that they catch on fire from radiators. It's like it's not touching an open radiator. They have right. covers on them. Right. But yeah, like you wouldn't think about it. But yeah, when you actually move somewhere and you need curtains, it is kind of a like annoying process. And then like also you have to buy like the curtain rods and the, oh, yeah, yeah. the other parts oh. of it too. Well, you already got them, but I was actually going to recommend uh, we got our cur- curtains and curtain rods from Target and mm. I was pretty happy. With that. Yeah, I thought of target but because i've been there so many times i was like i can't i can't (laughs) like i even went back yesterday too to get like some little stuff right because depending what store you go to it could be sold out like Mm -hmm. we got some curtains in store but then another thing we were getting was out of stock so we did like half was in store and then half we had to order online basically Mm -hmm. so yeah especially now with like kids are starting to get ready to go back to college yeah so, like, a lot of stuff that I need, I'm like, well, that's out. <laughs> that's out. That's back ordered. Okay. Plan, like, I think I'm on plan, like, F at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but luckily, next week, um, I get my couch. And then I was going to ask for an update on that. Yeah. So, that's a week from Thursday. So, I get my couch, and then that is, like, the last big thing. And then I should, okay. fingers crossed, be, like, done. Yeah, I'm take call, a break from buying things for a while. <laughs> I feel so poor. It's also amazing, like, how much stuff you need. Yeah, and that always happens with moving, too, because it's, like, there are different, like, the formatting is different, like, the shapes and layouts are different, so whatever you had before might not work with what you're moving into, or, like, you could have more space or less space, so then you have to accommodate for that, and... Obviously, whenever we've moved, I feel like we ended up buying more stuff just to, like, work with the different, like, layouts, basically, so. Yep. So, yeah. After after the couch comes, I'm tapping out. Yeah. I don't want to buy anything else. I want to be done. Oh, and then yesterday, I was trying to, like, be creative and trying to, like, reorganize something on my wall, so I took off, like, one of the command hooks. Oh, okay. <laughs> and with the command hook, I took off a good chunk of the wall. <laughs> Because my apartment building is so old and it's like basically like crappy walls. So luckily I had some um, like some spackle and I just spackled it really quickly and it looks okay. Okay. But I'm still going to have to like cover it. So I ordered Mm -hmm. more artwork last night to cover it. Yeah, that was always something that was a mystery to me was like those hooks. Like sometimes they take the paint off and sometimes they don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I just to be clear, I, I took the paint off. I did not actually like remove a part of the wall. It's just a big okay. chunk of the paint came yeah, off. Yeah, I had to yeah. Stack. yeah. I <laughs> and it was like, that happens. Yeah. It's like, okay, note to self when I move next year, be careful taking off the command hooks. Right. Cool. <laughs> and buy extra spackle. So that's my that's my oy of the oy of the weekend or oy of the week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I feel like I don't really have anything that good, honestly. I Nothing. just have like minor ones, but yeah. Well, how is the wedding planning? Like, are you guys done? Kind of. We're at the point where we're basically. Most vendors, well, not most vendors, I guess, like, three of them basically told us to reach out to finalize the details about three months ahead of time. So, like, I reached out to, like, the makeup hair people because they recommend you doing some kind of trial at least a month out for either hair, makeup, or both. 
So I reached out to them about three months ahead and then they did get back to me and they're basically like, like, they're like, oh yeah, it works best for us if you can come during the week, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I live and work in another state, so it would work best for me to do the weekend. And I got basically the same exact response when I contacted the flower people too. Mm -hmm. They also said three months in advance. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we prefer meeting on during the week. We have weddings on the weekends. I'm like, I work during the week. So I was just, like, so surprised. Like, why did you guys tell me to reach out three months in advance if that leads to major limitations with meeting up? Because mm-hmm. both of them, in the end, were kind of able to accommodate me. Like, I'm meeting the flower people on a Saturday. Hair, makeup, I'm meeting them basically Friday afternoon, so I'll probably have to take off some time from work, but I guess like a half day at least, so it's not that bad. But I was like, if I knew this was a situation, I would have reached out to you five months before, (laughs) not three months. Yeah. So yeah, that that did happen, and I was just like a little like, really? (laughs) Okay. So yeah, whatever. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm taking notes if I ever get married. (laughs) I know, it's like things you don't really realize will be a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, also you have to pay extra for uh, a hair and makeup trial in addition to what you're paying them for the wedding day. So that's fun. Great. I am not doing a makeup trial. I'm just like, I'm not that worried about the wedding or the like makeup for the wedding. I'm just going to say like more or less natural. It's more the hair. So I'm just going to do a hair trial. Like, yeah. It's fine. So. Yeah, I feel like you're more of like you and I are kind of similar with like natural makeup instead yeah. of like really, really heavy makeup. So that might be easier. Although I remember you were, <laughs> which I forgot about. I feel like this is more or less recent when you were like, remember when you would wear all this eyeliner to high school? You would. <laughs> which I like totally forgot about. And then I think you showed me a picture and I was like, oh. <laughs> I have pictures that I may or may not post on Instagram on the Oi with Tarek account. <laughs> I think that was during my, like, uh, what's it called? All-time low or my chemical romance period where the men were very much into eye yep. makeup as well. Yeah, because it was funny because, like, who was it? It was, was it Leslie? I feel like it was Leslie. Or Amanda, who were like, yeah, like, we don't believe you, Sandra. Like, we don't believe that Danielle wore, like, heavy eyeliner. And I was like, oh, oh, I have <laughs> photos. <laughs> give me, give me a few, like, hours when I get home. Like, I will, I will text you photos. But it was mostly just, like, your yearbook, like, senior photo. Now where I it looks good. Oh, yeah, the senior. Yeah, those were intense. I think that was also a month <laughs> or two after I, like, dyed my hair this, like, yeah. medium dark red color. Looks yeah. like... I don't know if really hair dye still does this, but at the time when I would do that, basically the first day it would almost be a purple shade. And then a few days after that, it would go down to like a mid dark red type color. Yeah. And eventually just like fade more and more to like a brown. Yep. <laughs> I remember because like, I think I was the one that was like, what phase is Danielle going through? Like, <laughs> Like, she used to be, like, so, so, like, quiet. I know. It's, like, no wonder. I seemed – I did get the vibe that I either scared people or they just didn't feel comfortable striking conversation with me because at one point I basically just gave up on trying to socialize and pretty much lived in the library. So I had this, like – I naturally have, like, curly hair, and I really didn't know what to do with it in high school, so I'd either brush it out or, like, attack it with a hair straightener, so my hair would be, like, perpetually, like, frizzy in a weird, like, like, limbo of straight but curly but big, and then I would, like, walk around in a, like, light purple North Face and then have, like, heavy eye makeup and then live in the library, so now I understand why, <laughs> why I felt like I was always in a like bubble of my my own making or something. Yeah, there was that, and then you just didn't want to like you were just the type of girl that was like, I don't want to put up with anybody else's drama, so you yeah. would just like avoid people. <laughs> like I would kind of like I remember specifically like before classes started, everyone would kind of congregate in the hallway area or like 
to the side of the hallways mm-hmm. and I would kind of like watch what everyone else is doing but always have like a book so it's like I wouldn't look totally crazy sitting by myself but like I, I felt like I did kind of float around with you and your friend group because you always had like a friend group yeah I was the floater I was the one that would bounce from one friend group to the next because right. I was like I don't really care but yeah but I also feel like with the book it made you a little bit unapproachable yeah that makes sense because I would just look at you and be like well she's reading a book like I don't want to bug her but it's also like high school so it's like seven fifteen, and we're it's not like- awake yet <laughs> It's like the precedent for like the like 30 year old single person that's in a cafe or bar with her book and it's like I want to be here to observe people but please don't talk to me basically basically <laughs> basically I need to get you a t-shirt that says don't talk to me I'm reading and that would like <laughs> sum up like the morning of high school before we all started class but but it was early and like we were not we were like I'm surprised when I had math like it first period 7 30 in the morning oh, I'm wow. surprised I had brain cells to be able to like handle that because starting work at like 8 30 is killer and I yeah. literally just walk from my bedroom and sit at my desk and start working so yeah it's intense <laughs> yeah I feel like I was talking about this with Dave not that long ago the school he went to instead of having like six or seven different classes a day they would have maybe three or four a day mm-hmm. and just like switch like every month or every few months. It would just switch the rotation. And I'm, I'm like that. I feel like that makes more sense than you taking like six classes a day. Like you'd probably retain more doing three or four a day. Yeah. Cause they're longer too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think our high school used to do that. Cause we used to have like the black and God, what were they? They were awful, but they were better than regular days. Like the black and I forget what they were called, but we would have, like, first period would be, like, two, like, for first and second period time, and then, like, we'd go to, like, third period, but it would be, like, an hour and a half. Oh, I, I don't know. know. I, like, big, because, like, I know, like, yeah. our school district at the time was entertaining that idea of every other day, but having, like, classes be, like, an hour and a half instead mm-hmm. of, like, 45 50 minutes what they were so then if we did that we would have about four or five yeah i guess a day that would have been nice to have we should have that that would would... actually literally prepare us more for college too when Mm -hmm. you're in college you don't have six classes a day you have maybe like four at most probably like three but then you have like i think my longest class in college was like three and a half hours yeah at night (laughs) Yeah, which could make it harder. I think in college when I had classes like that that were longer, like they would literally in the middle be like, okay, you guys get like a 10 minute break or something like that at least. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that would be harder for like high school age people. Yeah. I don't know. All right. I want to hear your topic. Okay. Because I'm curious. So. And we've been talking for 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. The story may not be suitable to younger listeners or people who are sensitive to hearing about like sexual harassment or anything related to that. If you want to skip ahead, then it'll probably be like the 40 minute mark to Sandra's story. So as I mentioned earlier, I learned about this from my friend Amanda, who's really into true crime. Um, I don't know the name of the podcast she heard it from. But it sounds like they kind of specialize in, like, obscure true crime, like, not as well-known stories you sort of hear everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, with my to- the topics I'm choosing, I'm kind of trying to have a balance with, like, well-known stories that, like, everyone knows and loves. But also with, like, not as well-known stories that are just interesting in their own right and, like, mm-hmm. really should be spoken about. So I guess this is now leaning towards the not as well-known one, but one that's, like, really crazy and, like, I can't believe this actually happened in real life type situation. Yeah, you did warn me (laughs) that it was crazy. Yes. So (laughs) I'm curious to see how crazy. Well, I'll start with the title of it. This is how the girl is known. She is known as the girl in the box, if that says anything, <laughs> speaks to the That's story. 
That made my imagination go somewhere. I'm hoping yeah. it's not going in that direction. So the photo I sent you, one of the photos, it was basically a smaller size box with like mm-hmm. hinges and stuff on it. Yep. So that box was designed by the main culprit in the story as it was called a head box. Okay. <laughs> so the guy, he wasn't an engineer, but it seems like he was like kind of adept at building things or whatever. So he actually like designed and built this box. And I'll like go more into detail about that specifically a little bit later. So this story is of the girl in the box and the girl is Colleen Stan, who was an avid hitchhiker. When in one day in 1977, she was hitchhiking around her hometown of Eugene, Oregon, and apparently she was headed to the California area for a friend's birthday party, but she would never actually get to the birthday party. Because we all hitchhike to go to birthday parties. Right. Well, specifically, (laughs) hitchhiking was like such a thing. It almost seems like a cultural phenomenon. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, especially in like... 60s up till maybe like the 90s or now when you're on the highways i don't know if they still have them but they had the signs like please do not stop for hitchhikers or whatever i think they still have them yeah yeah like it's crazy i feel like yeah hitchhiking was like almost considered acceptable but then at the same time there are so many bad stories you hear about people hitchhikings either something bad happening to them or the hitchhiker themselves being like kind of sketchy So, yeah, it definitely is, like, a risky type of thing to do for both parties. But, yeah, apparently she was actually really into hitchhiking, and she was doing it frequently. Um, So, on this particular day in May, she... Apparently, she was so adept at hitchhiking that she knew when to turn down offers from some cars who seemed questionable. So, basically, like, youngish males who were maybe like alone or for some reason she thought seemed questionable and just didn't accept the ride so on this particular day she rejected two ride offers um at this so it was at this point a blue van pulled over and colleen saw a man driving with his wife in the passenger seat and a baby in the back seat So basically, when she saw the wife and the baby, basically, she was like, okay, this guy can't be that bad. Like, there's another lady and a baby. It's for some reason, she was like, okay, this must be okay. So she decided to accept this offer. The driver was 23-year-old Cameron Hooker and his wife, 19-year-old Janice Hooker. They were actually in that area scoping out the area actively searching for a hitchhiker that they could kidnap. Cameron was a lumber mill worker who had intense bondage fantasies. His wife was the one who was currently filling those fantasies. That is until he came upon Colleen. And it seems like from what I was reading that Janice was almost pushing for him to like basically stop because she wasn't into it. So that could have been another reason why he was like, seeking out another person to fulfill those fantasies. So once Colleen accepted the ride and was getting into the van, Cameron quickly drove off to a remote area about 30 minutes away. He held a knife to her neck and forced her into the, this is when the head box comes into play. So after he kidnapped her and put her in the van, they drove away and he basically put the head box on her. And then she was, she was also bound and gagged. So the head box covered only her head and also weighed 20 pounds. Um, And then as I was writing all this, I saw that they actually made a movie about this on Netflix. I think it came out in 2016 and it's literally called the girl in the box. So I don't know if it's a good movie or what, but if you want to maybe have a visualization of what was going on, that may or may not be accurate. Apparently it's on Netflix. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's based on Colleen Stan and her true story. The head box blocked out sound and light, which also prevented and resulted in preventing fresh airflow. Eventually, the car took everyone to a house where Colleen was led downstairs to a basement. 
This is where she faced different kinds of horrifying torture. She was tied to the ceiling by her wrists and beaten, electrocuted, whipped, and burned. In the beginning, Cameron and his wife had an argument that he was not, or an agreement that he was not allowed to engage in sexual activity with Colleen. She was instead forced to watch the couple have sex after they abused her. Later on, this agreement dissolved and Cameron started raping Colleen in addition to other forms of torture. The girl, the name Girl in the Box, aside from the head box, actually comes from another box, which was coffin shaped and was one that the hookers forced Colleen to go into later on. Once the family moved into a mobile home, Colleen was kept in the coffin-shaped box underneath the hooker's bed for up to 23 hours a day. The couple had two young daughters who somehow were unaware that Colleen was being kept against her will, and they were also unaware that she was actually living in the house with them. It seems like they basically thought she was like a babysitter or guardian type person. Apparently for one or two hours a day, Colleen would be let out of the box so she could clean the mobile home and also take care of the children. And when I first learned about this from Amanda, I didn't know what the end result was if Colleen ended up dying from the torture because I've heard about cases like that. Someone's just tortured for so long, like slowly, like eventually the injuries build up so much they do end up dying or their organs fail or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know if that was going to be what happened with Colleen or if she somehow survived and just lived out the craziness. So on a happy note, she did survive. And there is a direct quote from her quote. Anytime I was taking it out of the box, I never knew what to expect Fear of the unknown was always with me as I was kept in the dark, both physically and mentally, end quote. Even though Colleen was regularly beat and raped, she thought there was something else with her confinement that was even more terrifying. Apparently, Cameron told her that he was a member of a satanic organization called The Company. So I mentioned this earlier in the Amityville Horror episode. But for some reason, the 70s, like, specifically seemed like a huge decade for anything cult-related. So basically, like, people either, like, the, it, it seemed like almost a scapegoat for some things, like anything bad that happened or anyone creepy, like, it must have been related to a cult. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just this, like, like giant buildup of fear and stuff specifically with cults. And, like, at some point, it was true, but then at other points, like, people were kind of, like, misjudged for being in a cult or being evil when they were actually innocent. So it was, like, this odd thing that was going on in the 70s, it seems like, like, more than other decades. So Colleen, like a lot of other people in the 70s, was one of the people that held a really big fear against anything cult-related. So when Cameron told her that he was a member of the company cult, Cameron or Colleen was terrified. She was told that the company was a powerful group who watched Colleen's movements and even bugged her family's home. And this basically instilled a fear in her that if she attempted any kind of escape, her family could be potentially placed in danger. This is one of the main reasons why Colleen remained in captivity and why there were certain points where she could have maybe tried to escape, but she never did because she was just like terrified of threats involved with the cult thing. And she even signed a contract with the hookers stating she would be their slave. Ironically, complying with Cameron's demands did allow Colleen more freedoms She was even allowed outside at one point where she could work in the garden and where she would go out for jogs. So that part, like, was just, like, even crazier to me. Like, she's being kept in captivity, has to live in a box for most of her days, but she's allowed to, like, go outside the house gardening and then go for jogs, like. It's a bit weird. Yeah, it didn't really make sense. Um, Oh, and then also... They allowed Colleen to visit her family when she she was being held as a captive. 
So Cameron would always accompany her to visit her family. And she told her family that he was her boyfriend. And there's actually, when you look up her name, Colleen Stan, there's one of the main photographs that comes up on Google Images is a photo that her family took of them where they kind of like look like the like typical couple. Like I think she has her like arms kind of around his neck or something like that. And they're both like smiling and they look like a normal couple. So just like to know what was actually going on is like, wow, like you would never think that from looking at the picture. Yeah. But it does seem like Colleen's family wasn't fooled and they could tell that there was something strange going on with her situation due to a lack of communication on her part and, I guess, her not having really any money. uh, It made her family think that she was a member of a cult, but they did not want to confront her because they thought that she would get scared and stop communicating with them completely. At the same time, Colleen's fear of the company cult prevented her from escaping or giving her family any details about her imprisonment. Colleen lived there as a captive for seven years from 1977 to 1984. Near the end of this period, Cameron said he planned on asking Colleen to marry him and he wanted her as a second wife. But this did not go over well with his first wife, Janice. Janice had confessed that Cameron also tortured and brainwashed her ever since they first started dating. And this made her develop denial techniques and led her to compartmentalize many aspects of her life. The turning point for Colleen was when Janice revealed that Cameron was not actually a member of the cult he kept threatening her with. And Janice actually helped Colleen to escape. Initially, Janice wanted Colleen to stay silent about the whole situation in the hopes that she could somehow help her husband get better. But when Janice realized that he was beyond her help, she reported him to the police. Cameron Hooker was charged with sexual assault and kidnapping using a knife. Janice testified against him for full immunity. Colleen Stan's experience was described by the FBI as unparalleled in U.S. history. Cameron Hooker was found guilty and given consecutive terms totaling 104 years. He was denied parole in 2015 and won't be eligible for parole until 2030. Colleen suffered from chronic back and shoulder pain because of her confinement. She's now 59 years old. When Colleen finally had a chance at a normal life, she received a lot of therapy, married, and had a daughter. She also joined an organization committed to helping abused women and earned a degree in accounting. Colleen Stan and Janice Hooker both changed their names and both continue to live in California. They do not communicate with each other. When asked in an interview how Colleen was able to endure the pain and torture, she told reporters, quote, I learned I could go anywhere in my mind. You just remove yourself from the real situation going on and you go somewhere else, end quote. In the film that I mentioned earlier, based on her story, was made in 2016. And today, Colleen is married for the fourth time and is raising her grandson. Despite all the hardship, Colleen said she has had a wonderful life since escaping and is happy to be alive. She describes her life as a captive, like being in limbo, and now she has freedom. Apparently, Colleen may not have been Cameron's first captive. During his trial in 1985, Janice revealed that her husband captured another young woman, 19-year-old Marie Elizabeth Spanhawk, on January 31st, 1976. This was a year before they picked up Colleen. And the couple picked up Spanhack when she was hitchhiking, and apparently Cameron did actually murder her. But it sounds like they were, like, the FBI or police were never able to find her remains. So I think it's still technically unsolved. But Janice, like, Janice said that that's what happened, and her husband did it. So it's like, okay, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. But yeah, so he may be a killer. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of where I thought it was going to go when you didn't say, like, outright murder. But I was just like... Right. I don't know. I didn't realize it involved, like, hitchhikers and... Right. Holding people captive. It's kind of rare to hear about, especially young women who are kidnapped and taken hostage or captive, and then them having a, like, more or less happy ending usually ends in them just getting killed, I feel like is, like, the more frequent result. So then, Mm -hmm. like, hearing she's captive for seven years but then did end up getting away, I feel like doesn't happen as often. No, it's like the, um, I don't know, that kind of reminded me of, like, are they known as the, I feel like they're known as, like, the Barbie and Ken killers from, like, the 90s from Canada. I think they're, yeah, Canadians. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be a good episode, too. That's a fascinating case. Right. Because it's really, like, it's actually a really scary case. But it was kind of similar with the whole, like, him wanting to, like, bring in somebody else to, like, do this stuff, too, because his wife didn't want to do it anymore. And so that's, that's like, you were right. It was, like, shorter, but it's, like, still an intense case. Yeah, it's one of those that it's like, wow, this like, doesn't sound like it happened in real life, but it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically I also, unbelievable. I also want to know what, like, the kids think. Because they were, I know. Like, so young. So, like, what did they think was happening? Yeah, it seems like there wasn't really a lot about it. But from what I read, basically, they just didn't realize she lived there. And they didn't realize she was being held, held prisoner, basically. So, it's like... And at one point, they were in a mobile home, so I was thinking to myself, isn't that difficult to not be aware of? Maybe they're just young enough. I didn't know what their ages were. And it did say in the beginning that um, there was a baby in the backseat, so maybe they were just really that young that they were just, like, oblivious to what was happening. Yeah, but I feel like if you're captive for seven years, like, that kid's at least gonna be, like, seven or eight. (laughs) Why is this lady constantly... (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, like the 70s, maybe there was... No, it just seems like so much weird stuff. It was, like, easier to get away with back then. Yeah, I guess so, because you would... I don't know, but then again, I mean, there was that story a few years ago of, like, Amanda Berry. Yeah. Like, they were in a house, and their neighbors had no idea. So it's like, I guess it is still kind of easy to keep people captive and to make it seem like yeah. everything's normal when it's not... But still, I'm just curious about, like, what the kids thought, Mm -hmm. if they were, like, used to it, if they were just trying, like, we just thought she was the babysitter that, like, was here, that we saw, like, two hours a day. Yeah. So, but, I don't know, another, another really good one. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks also, Amanda, for telling you about it, that is definitely. Recommendations, because, yeah, I've never heard about it. Yeah, I have. I didn't know it was a movie either. No, I can't say if it's good, but it's there. <laughs> if you want to watch it, it's on Netflix. Yeah. sanatorium or asylum or whatever i mean (laughs) it's like okay so it's interesting that we were talking about high school earlier because i was thinking over the weekend i still didn't have my topic and i was like i don't know what to do like i'm just not sure so i decided to look up most haunted high schools in the u.s (laughs) so the image the building that I sent you was actually El Paso High School in Texas. And the second photo, which I'll explain a little bit more detail later on, was like the graduating class of, I think, like 19, I want to say like 1986 or something. Hmm. So that's why they're all dressed up like really nice because they were in their class photo. Um, so that kind of explains the photos a little bit. Yeah. So to get started with it. So El Paso 
High or El Paso High is what it's known as. Was uh, they opened in 1916, and since then, I guess it's also known as Lady on the Hill for some reason. They have had many like. I guess really great people graduate. They've had like, they've won like hundreds of trophies and like championships and all that. So they're still like, they're a really big school in Texas. Um, and they're known for a lot of like sports and accomplishments and everything. But they are also known for essentially being the most haunted high school in the entire United States. Hmm. And according to people that have worked there, people that have gone there, they believe that it's been haunted since the day of its construction because paranormal events have just been taking place at this school. And I'm not just talking about like they occasionally see like a ghost wandering around or the lights go off. I'm talking like they have hallways that are also like sealed off for some reason, but no one really knows why. Mm. So basically it's they say that There's this hallway that leads to a balcony that's closed off. People say that they see an image of a girl jumping from the balcony. And according to people's stories, there's every single day there's something happening. There's mist, there's fog that roams around the abandoned hallways, and there's like this gooey stuff that's on the ceiling that no one really knows what it is. So essentially the unusual activity stems from an incident that actually happened about 35 years ago uh, when a distraught teenage girl killed herself by slitting her wrists and then throwing herself from the balcony at the end of the hallway. Mm -hmm. And that's why people see the sightings because they see the sighting of this girl just throwing herself off the balcony and no one really knows why. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's like not the only weird thing that's been happening. In a more recent El Paso high school like textbook, there's a reproduction of an old photograph that shows a young lady in a white dress um, watching like the original construction of the building in 1916. However, this unknown woman was not actually in the original photograph. And I think that is one of the photos that I sent you. Yeah, I have it on mine. Yeah, there's one like in the middle, yeah. there's a girl whose face, they're all. I guess all their faces look kind of blurry. Yeah, if you look at the other photo, though, of, like, the school, yeah. you'll see that there's, like, a woman in the corner on the left-hand side. Oh, yeah. She was not in the original negative, but is somehow in the final photo, and no one knows who she is or what she's doing there. Hmm. So I don't know if that's, like, an accident. I'm just, like, sometimes when negatives were developed, they weren't developed correctly, and they would actually, like, somehow have, like, like something from another photo, like, kind of leak on to that negative so I don't know if that is what's happening but it does look like she is there and she was not in the original photo so they were trying to figure out like how she got there and then in the other photo that you were talking about um with the graduating class so you'll see that there's like a girl kind of in the middle and she looks kind of see-through and creepy the one you thought was Samara from the ring uh, she was not part of that particular graduating class, and no one, as far as they know, knew who that girl was, and no one could, rec- like, she was not supposed to be there, basically. So they were, like, trying to figure out why that was happening, because um, they didn't know. There. Basically, like, she doesn't even go here. What is she doing here? But one of the more weird stories that I found was about, like, At this point, it was probably more like 15, 20 years ago. So when it's, you know how it is when it snows up here in Mass. Like, we pretty much have it down. We may close some stuff, but basically we know what we're doing. However, when it snows in Texas, um, depending on the part of Texas, especially in El Paso, I guess, like, they didn't know what to really do. So they decided to close the schools. But unfortunately... A few teachers and students had already arrived at that point before the closure announcement went out. So those teachers and students who had been able to actually make it to the school weren't allowed to leave due to the unsafe conditions of the roads. So having nothing else to do, they decided to go explore the school, starting with the tunnels in the basement, which apparently the school has tunnels in the basement. So Apparently, at one point, several of the teachers decided to crawl through a small opening that eventually came to a brick wall that was blocked by the tunnel, and the bricks were really old and had cement between them that was crumbling, 
but it was clear that the bricks had been added long after the surrounding brickwork. So one of the teachers decided to push the newer bricks until it gave way, which revealed a really dark cavity. And they decided to push a flashlight, like a flashlight through to see if they could like see anything. And they discovered a sealed off classroom. So according to a quote from someone in this article, the discovery surprised everyone as no one had even heard a whisper that there might be sealed off classrooms in the building. So I guess the room it was described as small contained antique desks of the type that would have been seen on the show like Little House on the Prairie. There was no doubt that the classroom dated from the original construction of the building and the classroom was all set up with desks in place. And apparently there was also like textbooks and like student notebooks that were still in place as if they were waiting for the students to arrive. They saw a Baby Ruth candy bar wrappers like on the floor and they could tell at the time that it said it was like five cents. They saw Coke bottles that said that they were five cents. And in one of the student notebooks that was actually lying on the desks, they found an addition to algebra notes and completed problems, a very racy love letter from the owner of the book um, to a boy. So they're guessing the owner of the book was a female. They then found a second sealed off classroom nearby, um, which looked like it was also ready to receive students. It was filled with dust and it was very silent but they were never able to discover why like these two classrooms would be sealed off so fast and why they weren't like cleaned up debris, why there were still like textbooks on the desks and why like nothing was cleaned up. It was almost like everyone just like got up and left their stuff and like just didn't come back to it. Yeah. And it just like, it was a time capsule essentially, like nothing changed. Yeah. Um, apparently another fun part about the school is the vast basement has like also been used as an overflow morgue during several of the nation's wars. So for instance, during World War II, there were so many casualties that were shipped there that the bodies had to be stored in the basement until like the next of kin could be identified. And then during the Spanish flu epidemic in the early part of the 1900s, so many people died that the bodies were also stored in the basement of the high school. And at one point in the 1980s, um, this person named Toby Tobar was the basketball coach for the eighth grade basketball team. That was the year that the eighth grade was undefeated and they were scheduled to play the only other undefeated team in the city. And I guess every afternoon, the eighth grade team would have like gym time scheduled from like 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. in the gym immediately like below his classroom. And I guess one day during practice, just as it started, two waist-high doors um, two waist high access doors that were leading to tunnels they flew open violently and they were slamming back against the wall on either side naturally like the assumption eventually reached that even though there was a little wind outside maybe there was like a freak draft coming um down one of the many chimneys that had blown the latch doors open the doors were shut and long and heavy but um the doors were shut and long and heavy benches were then placed in front of the doors to make sure that they stayed closed. So eventually the kids had gone back to their scrimmage game and they were all at the far end of the court. At about seven, one of the benches went flying across the court and the doors that had been securely latched flew violently open again. So basically at this point, like they all decided to leave the building without even like turning off the lights. They were just like, no, we're done. We're leaving. Like, this is too weird. And I think it's just time for us to go. Let's see what else. So there's also, like, mentions of, like, a girl kind of, like, being seen from, like, falling off the balcony and stuff. But I guess there was, like, another incident that happened with a girl. So basically, Angelo Placluda was a journalism instructor at El Paso High. And he and the yearbook staff um, decided to compose, like, that was composed of journalism students, would work, like, obviously late into the night to produce, like, the yearbook. And one night, he sent the students home, and he planned on being close behind them. But he had a few last-minute things to do. And at this point, it was 11 p.m. when he finally decided to leave. And according to um, another person mentioned earlier, Tovar, when... Placluda turned towards the exit standing in the pool of dim red light thrown by the exit sign was a young lady wearing a blue chiffon dress like the type that would have been worn to like prom in like the 40s or the 50s mm -hmm. 
and he thought it was one of his students. So he was kind of like, what are you doing here? You should go home. And the girl turned to look directly at him and her expression could only be described as one of deep sadness. And as he walked towards her, she began to become like transparent. And he noticed that she wasn't standing on the floor, but that she was actually hovering in midair, about a foot off the ground. And when he was a few feet from her, she glided back into the deeper darkness of the hallway and just completely disappeared. I'm guessing he either thought he was like sleep deprived at this point because it was so late or he just decided to book it. But the article doesn't specifically say. So, yeah, so basically it just has like stuff like that that happens to it all the time. Um, they've also done like modifications to the auditorium where workers have like removed the steps leading up to the stage and they found like hidden like one or two books per step. Um, they found an entire like Catholic encyclopedia hidden beneath the steps and they're like, they have no idea like how they got there. And I thought that this quote was kind of interesting. Um, this is kind of the last quote that like kind of wraps everything up. And again, it's from this person named Tobar. Um, He says that El Paso High custodians quit their duties at 9 p.m. So unless someone is working late after this hour, the massive building is deserted. The lights are out and the alarms are set. The building is completely secure, but with El Paso High School, it can never be said with certainty that the building is deserted and secure. The restless dead walk the dark. Hmm. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way to like close it because from like everything that I've researched and that I've just basically said like it sounds like they don't just have like one or two incidents they have like a ton and like I can only imagine like working at a high school it's late you know you're alone and like you see something like you you think is like a student but she's in like a prom dress from the 50s or like stuff that would just freak me out it sounds like there's a lot a lot of activity there yeah, and the fact that they're all like, oh, yeah, this has been, like, going on, and it's kind of com- seen as completely normal is interesting. And as again, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, um, there haven't really been a lot of, like, ghost hunter shows or, like, travel channel shows that have, like, gone there, probably because it is a high school. And oh, it still is. It's still a high school now? Yeah, so it's still a high school now. It's been around since I'm I, – they said, like, the 19 – I think 1916 – but it's still around. Um, people still talk about it. People still have experiences. And it's just kind of one of the things that's, like, known in the area that, like, yes, this place is haunted. And you're mm-hmm. going to hear weird things. And, yes, we have, like, closed-off classrooms and closed-off tunnels and morgues. And we've had a morgue in the basement because, like, they had to at some point. So it just has, like, that kind of history that I just right. feel like is always going to stir up something. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like it's different from your other stories. It's longer, too. (laughs) (laughs) Felt longer. I kept reading, and I was like, I don't remember it being this long. (laughs) But, yeah, I thought it was interesting because, like, I don't know. I feel like haunted high school is, like, they're always joking about them, but I've never, like, actually taken the time to learn about them. And I thought it was interesting that this one is in Texas, too, because Texas has such, like, an interesting history as well. Right. Yeah, I feel like I would have thought of, like, a haunted college more. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't think that a haunted high school that had that much history would still actually be running today. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, it's still running. I saw, I was looking at photos, and I saw photos of, like, high school kids in, like, masks. So I was like, okay. (laughs) It's probably, like, it's running. It looks like that looks right. like the same school, just like in color. <laughs> but I thought it was just kind of interesting and yeah. it made me think of like like I always joked that like my old work pl- uh, work place was like haunted because like weird shit would happen, but that was a college. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to like hear. Like I'm curious with like our high school, like if any of our teachers had like instances or Yeah. Because I feel like, I'm sorry, but our high school had, like, these horrendous, like, salmon puke-colored walls that would, like, mess with your brain. So I feel like just those alone would scare you. (laughs) That's funny. So I was talking about the high school in the beginning was a good way to to warm up, like, the audience up for your story. Yeah. So you can tell Dave. (laughs) Okay. 
El Paso like, High School. They'll probably be like, oh yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> good job. Yeah, you too. Good, good topics for tonight. Yeah. Thanks once again for joining us, everyone, for episode 20 of Oi with the Terror already. You can find us on Instagram at Oi with the Terror already. We drop our episodes every Thursday. If you have anything you want to have us talk about or if you have anything you want us to like know or have questions, you can email us at oiwiththeterroralready at gmail.com. Our podcast is available where every where any podcast is available to listen to, including Spotify. And I think it's, uh, is it Apple Play? Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I always do that. I always do that where I'm like, I mix up like something with like. I think I'm thinking of Google Playlists. Yeah, I think so. Apple Podcasts. We hope that uh, you join us uh, again next week for a fun episode, and we will see you next week. Bye.